You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? How are we? How are we? How's it going? <laughs> the throne has been eldrained, and I have trained all my opponents of their at the priorities as I beat all of them. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, we'll get to that later, right? Yes. <laughs> we have a determined report from the throne of Eldraine priorities at Gamers World. I won the motherfucker. You won the second one. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that, David, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I played in two. I didn't do well in the first one, uh, but I, I won the second one. All right. Um, oh, it was a lot of magic. That's a little teaser for later but we're going to kick it off with standard standard is very very exciting at the moment um so we've we've each been charting our own court no i shouldn't say that we've each been uh <laughs> <laughs> it's rotated david it's gone now you don't have to worry about that card anymore we've we've been on our own personal adventures through this format and uh gotta say i'm loving it i've been blindsided by like four or five cards in the format already and uh, it's just, it's very different than what I thought it would be. So, but the, the mana is really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my main takeaway from from testing different decks. I've been playing a whole bunch uh, since since the set went up on Arena. And there's a lot of cool decks out there, but I, find, I think this is the most I've been mulliganing in standard while trying new decks, um, maybe ever since I started playing again. It's definitely the worst mana I think I've experienced. No, it's awful. Yeah. I, I, I have yet to, to play standard. Um, so I'm planning on playing some first time today. And this uh, <laughs> is that sound. Um, what, uh, what What? was the mana like last year? It was it was the shocks that had just rotated in from Ravnica. Plus, yeah. Oh, but yeah, we had all 10 check lands at that point. So yeah, the, the mana was good. Yeah, that's perfect, yeah. I think, yeah, the year before that. Uh, we had fast oh. lands from Kaladesh before that. So that was good too. When Kaladesh came in, uh, we lost we lost the Painlands. Yeah. yeah, so we've basically always had two sets of jewels the whole time, and now we're just down to shocks for all ten and five temples, which is just a, a pretty big downgrade. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's a big difference. La- last year at this time, we had only half the shocks and ten checklands, so it's like kind of the same, but not so much. Because <laughs> then, because like with that mana base, you had the potential for untap lands every turn whereas with this mana base you do not obviously fable passage has been really good for that like fable passage is so so good <laughs> i don't know another way to say it like uh, i was just thinking about it today like it, it it only like depending on what type of deck you are obviously it only really affects you on turn two and three they're the only turns that it actually like it coming in tapped annoys you because you're like turn one is fine whatever usually uh, and then obviously turn four plus it just is it's free so but uh yeah i think it's a it's a great card but still the mana base mana bases are not quite there it's not a card that you want to be using in your aggro decks because obviously turn one two and three is where you want your untapped mana and turn four plus is like well whatever that's kind of what i expected anyway or i don't need it because my curve doesn't go that high or much higher so yeah um but yeah mana has been probably the biggest uh mitigating factor in this in this format so far as it is in most formats i mean the mana dictates what's possible but there are still three color decks running around 
Yep, the goose is loose in a lot of them. Quite a, <laughs> a quite important part of the, of the puzzle is a uh, yeah, it's, it's a goose. Yeah, not a not an untitled goose deck. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw the name a lot. Untitled goose deck, like a, a band name. It's just a wonderful convergence of of uh, media. Anyway, uh, so we'll we'll kick this off with a little bit of a look at the fandom legends lists from just this week, uh, a few days ago. So it was the 26th of September. It was the first real tournament for Throne of Eldraine. I think it was like started just a few hours after the set was released. So it was a, what, 16-person tournament? Yeah, 16-person tournament, as these Fandom Legends events are. And it was taken down by Brian Gottlieb from Arena Deckless Podcast, playing Esper Stacks, uh, which I think is a bad name for the deck. And you should just call it like Esper Dance or Esper doom or something like that um but yeah there's there was a a good mix of decks in this tournament that uh that i think people were expecting so like the kind of bant simic uh simic style decks the golgari decks is it decks mono red rakdos aggro simic flash though those are the type of things that i think people were expecting and then a few decks came out of left field, like the Esper Stacks deck, which took it down. Oh my god, I keep calling it Esper Stacks. Esper Doom, uh, like Four Color Wolves by uh, PV, like what else we got here? Jess Guy Fire Super Friends by Waifu Gate. So each each of these decks, Jess Guy Fires, Four Color Wolves, and Esper Doom, all have cards in them that I completely overlooked. In some cases, outright dismissed. And they're all four mana. Can you name those cards? So three cards. Uh, I presume the wolves one is the wicked wolf, which I definitely overlooked as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Is doing foretold one of them? It is. Yeah, yes. I, I agree with that too. I totally overlooked that card as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Fires of invention was in the Jeskai deck, I think, which I also totally overlooked. Yeah, I mean we yeah, we, we, yeah. we talked about we talked about fires on the podcast and when we were looking at the preview and I literally was like, is there something that this card does? It clearly just does nothing. And uh, we neglected to consider that it not only, not only does it completely fix your mana, it also ramps you by double your mana every turn. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I think, yeah, when you, I think when you, I, I'd even come across the card until you mentioned it on the podcast and you read the, you read text out. And then I think we all sat in silence and we're like, but then, um, out it is. Three spells are good spells. Yeah, like obviously losing the ability to interact with your opponent is not a great thing in Magic. You know, you can't play at instant speed when you have the card out, but obviously you just build your deck around that and you build like a, a Jeskai Super Friends list or a Tap Out Control list and you, you mitigate that anyway by the cards you're playing and it becomes fine. Yeah, so if we want to talk about that more or come back to that more later in terms of Tap Out Control... The deck that I've been playing with Fires is a Grixis Fires deck inspired by a streamer, um, Mega Mogwai. So all credit to him. I'm not sure if someone else was tooling around with it before that, but my my list is like fairly different from his, a, a bit different from his list anyway, but uh, started off with his. And I mean, Grixis, the Grixis colors, if you just you know look back to last standard, Grixis was a tap-out control deck anyway. They had very few instant speed things, maybe like Tyrant Scorn or like a Negate in the sideboard. That's pretty much all you were doing at instant speed. Maybe some decks had uh, Vras Condemned. Of course, Bedevil, but Bedevil 
I mean, it doesn't need to be played at instant speed. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, because it's actually, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're just getting a lot of value every turn on your own turn. That's, yeah, that's the way the deck was. So it's, uh, it makes sense that this, the downside of playing uh, Flyers is, is quite low. Yeah. And the upside is quite high when, when, when that's what your plan was anyway. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting with, with your list is that you're playing, was it uh, Drawn from Dreams? Yeah. That's a card that really just says, I need to be in a tap out control deck. Um, and then it's it's the bat is four mana. You play on your same on the same turn as your players. Be excellent. I would say it's more of a combo card than a top out control card. But that's the thing. Fires of Invention kind of turns your control deck into a sort of combo y deck because you can suddenly only play at one one angle. So Drawn from Dreams becomes really good for that. Drawn from Dreams is all, also really nice as well because when you play your Fires of Invention on four. You generally still need to keep hitting your land drops for the next couple turns in order to play your big planeswalkers, because um, you can only cast spells equal to the number, equal or less than to the number of uh, lands you have. So I found when I've been playing that Grixis list, Wolf, that you actually you actually end up picking lands withdrawn from dreams more than you'd think, and including uh, if you have Castle Vantress in your deck, you end up taking that quite a bit too, because because uh, it's basically the only thing you can do with your mana at that point. Is, uh, is to get use the scry two from from that castle or something like it. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's let's maybe just jump into this list now and maybe come back to the fandom legends lists in a while, just because we've yeah. Well, but just one thing I want to say about the, the that Jeskai list from Fandom Legends that I just realized we're talking about how bad the mana is, but that actually kind of uh, because it has four interplanar beacon because it's playing a super friends list that's able to mitigate that a little bit. So I'd imagine the mana is a lot smoother in that deck than a lot of three color decks. Yeah. And I, in this deck, in the Grixis deck that I'm playing, I'm actually considering Interplanar Beacon myself. I've, I've put in one, so I had like a, a single Temple of Epiphany in there that we were all a bit like, eh, what, what's going on there? But uh, yeah, I've, I've replaced that with an Interplanar Beacon just to see how it goes. Maybe there could be more Interplanar Beacons in there, not sure. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll just give a little, have a look at my list. Uh, so it's like, it's got four Thought Erasure, a couple of Tyrant Scorn. Cry of the Carnarium, Ritual of Soot, uh, Narset, Bedevil, Four Fires, obviously, Four Drawn from Dreams, Enter God Eternals, Nicol Bolas, Big Liliana, I guess there's only one Liliana now, uh, Chandra, Awakened Inferno, and Ugin the Ineffable, and uh, yeah, lots of lands. <laughs> and uh, I went up a land as well, I went up to 26 lands, because I think, as you said, you really need to be hitting your land drops. And yeah, the Castle Vantress is fantastic because once you are using fires, you don't actually tap your mana every turn. You just play like two spells. You play whatever you, I don't know, Ritual of Soot plus Nicol Bolas or Drawn from Dreams and a Liliana or whatever you're doing. And then it's amazing to be able to scry on your upkeep. You scry two, yeah. Castle Vantress, and then that helps you control your draws because obviously once you have one Fires of Invention, it's really bad to draw a second one. Also, you do want to stop drawing lands pretty much at six. So once once you have six lands, there there is no no more need for lands. You, more in play literally does nothing for you, unless I guess they destroy one of your lands somehow. But uh, yeah, so th- this this deck ideally wants to curve into fires on turn four, and at, on the same turn either play Drawn from Dreams or Ritual of Soot, and uh, you get there obviously by you know your thought erasures. Smoothing your draws uh, by Narset digging for fires. Narset is also obviously really good when you have fires out because it digs you to more gas. Uh, I found Narset to be quite good so far. I, I've played against a couple of blue-red uh, is it draw two decks and Narset just shuts their whole deck off. 
Uh, a lot of people are playing Midnight Reaper in mono black aggro decks. Narset shuts that off. Um, yeah, seems seems decent. The difficult matchups for this deck are Field of the Dead decks. However, you can kind of win sometimes. You can put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, if you have, let's say, a Liliana or a Chandra, and you manage to just keep kind of wrathing every turn uh, for a while, you can do it. Uh, like especially with like the Chandra, the Chandra Plus, if you're able to do that, or if you have a Nicol Bolas and a Chandra, you're able to double up those pluses, get a lot of loyalty, and obviously you have a lot of wraths in the deck. Mm, have Unmoored Ego in the side to kind of deal with that problem. The Esper Stacks deck, I feel like is not it's not an auto lose but like it's it's tough um doom foretold is obviously insane against you and you don't really have an out to it that's why i have ugin in the deck it's pretty much the only out to that and unmoored ego of course in the sideboard uh yeah so that's that's a tough matchup and obviously aggro decks are you know can be rough if you don't hit your mana and things like that but the cry of the carnarium and the ritual of soot really shore things up there and the one enter the god eternals more on the sideboard so i really enjoyed this deck i think it's very powerful um it's not super resilient like there's a lot of things that can be done to go over it or under it so it's not like i, I don't think it's the best deck uh, by any means but i think it is decent now and we'll see how things evolve in the future um but yeah going back to the fandom legends list is there anything, any archetype that you particularly want to talk about? Like, I'd like to talk about the Golgari decks because they underperformed. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's something uh, I wanted to, yeah, to jump on. Because I guess, like, I'll look at one of the Golgari lists now. It's uh, yeah, the, the adventure deck. It's playing, like, you know, bad cards to uh, take advantage of the innkeeper and um, the uh, the, 40, the the clover. Like, yeah, you'll be, you'll be drawing a lot of cards, but does the quality of your creatures make up for that? Wait, wait hold on. Which list is this? Which one are you looking at, Al? Because I think the... Are you looking at the, the Casters Cup on the 29th? Yeah, I think you're looking at the, the wrong tournament. We're, we're looking at Fandom Legends t- September 26th. Because I think the, the Black Rain Adventure deck actually surfaced after this tournament. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, the, these Golgari decks were the ones with like four Questing Beasts and Growth Chamber Guardian. They're all in on Great Henge, basically. And like... Turn turn three, rotting regisaur. You know, turn four, great henge is the plan. Pretty good plan. It does seem good, but I think the mana is pretty bad. And because you, you have a lot of intensive mana costs, like you have, mm, I guess you do have Paradise Druid, which is good. But like you've got Knight of the Ebon Legion, right? Which is which is a turn one, untapped black mana or whatever. Uh, you've got Wrangle, Spawn of Mayhem, which are double black. Murderous Rider, double black on both sides. Uh, Questing Beast is double green uh, Great Henge obviously is double green You do also have Once Upon a Time To help fix your mana But that's not ideal um, Yeah like th- th- these decks Seemed obviously powerful And they seemed very good and synergistic Coming into the format But then I kind of frittered away My my free The, the event that, that's on at the moment That is uh, you know play any deck you want You have access to four, four of everything in standard I kind of frittered that away On various builds of either Golgari or Monogreen and things like that. So I was a bit <laughs> disappointed in wasting all my time there because they just never felt good. Like when other people are playing, uh, when people are playing things like uh, the Esper Doom Foretold deck or even Simic Flash was quite tough. Um, what else were people playing? People were playing a lot of Mono Black Aggro, which is surprisingly resilient and extremely grindy. 
And yeah, the the deck just never felt good. It, it just like very, very medium, like powerful cards, but easily disrupted. Yeah, I think it looks decent. I'm I haven't played this deck yet, but like I would like I, I think yeah, as you said, I think you re- you lean really heavily on Once Upon a Time to have smooth openers, and I would think that's good enough just from the power level of Once Upon a Time. But maybe you're right, and it's not. I I don't really like Knight of the Ebon Legion in the deck at all. As you said, you don't have that many. You've only what ten untapped black sources on turn one. Just doesn't seem good enough to play that black one drop, and like you're tapping out every turn anyway for just haymaker after haymaker right so like how often do you actually even have the mana to to activate the knight in the early game it seems like that's a card you could easily drop yeah, that makes a lot of sense as well yeah definitely and um, you're yeah you're, 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 it seems like you know castle lock twain and the temples are your and table passage you know are your one drops you could kind of see it as you're already playing um yeah six one drops so i have four more um yeah yeah you can look at it that way so you ideally play a tap land on turn one and then Maybe add more two drops to the deck, but even then, I think the the quality of two like I can't think of another obvious two drop in the colors that I would be happy with. Bark eye troll. <laughs> yeah, bark eye troll, but it's green green, so it is. I think green green is not that much of a problem. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. I would drop like Spawn of Mayhem and Knight of the Ebon Legion and look to be something a little more mid rangey. Yeah, but you just got to find a good two drop, as you said. Yeah, although going down that route, you're just making yourself kind of a slowish mid-range deck, right? So you're probably going to lose to something like Grixis or Jeskai Fires, or you're going to lose to the Esper Doomfortal deck. Well, I think if you, like, for example, removed the spawn of Mayhems and just added a couple more Rankles instead, like, I think one Rankle is probably not the correct number in this deck. Like, Rankle is, you know, haste on turn four, and you can make them lose an extra life. It's It's not too bad. You can make them discard, which kind of disrupts those those slower decks that need to get up to four or five mana to start operating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. Uh, one Rankle does not seem like the correct number. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Literally four of every... Well, look at Huey Jensen's list. It's four of every, of every feature and one Rankle. I'm not into that. <laughs> rankle does some serious work in the mono blacklists. All right, so decidedly medium to... Medium minus on the Kokari decks. Um, so Bant Ramp and Simic mid-rangey food kind of things going on. Um, I think these decks are pretty awesome. Basically off the back of Gilded Goose into Oko. We have all, I'm sure, faced that by now. Well, maybe not Al if you haven't played any standard. But I don't know, maybe you faced it in Limited if you did. In Limited? Let me tell you. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so Guilty Goose into Oko is extremely busted. Um, there's very few ways to deal with it in standard. Uh, Angrath's Rampage is one of the one of the ways to to deal with it, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm high-ish on the Grixis deck so far because I have. Yeah, I, I actually took your list and I removed all the Tyrant Scorns and just added main deck Angrath's Rampages, and I've been really really happy with them. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I I had them in the side, and after you said that, I moved them to the main, and I haven't done, haven't played many games with them yet, so, but uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, Wicked Wolf is a card that I didn't know would be good, but it is. Uh, it's good against aggro decks. It's good against other mid range decks because you get that indestructible fight on a decent sized body. If you have a food token lying around, which in this deck 
a lot of times you will, or even multiple, which is insane. And of course, you know, you just need to leave it hanging around against control decks, removal filled decks, and uh, you just attack and you they tap the wolf. Um, well, I mean, of course, if you have instant speed removal, then they have to tap the wolf in response. So maybe, you know, you don't get hit by it that turn, but it's, you know, it's going to hit you at some point um, because they're relatively unlikely to run out of food. Yeah, that's the part I didn't get about this is that your opponent is just going to have like three or four foods in play when they play this card. So I was thinking, okay, yeah, maybe I can engineer a situation where I, they have to respond to something and then I can respond to that and kill it. But no, because they can just keep sacking foods on the stack. So it's just really hard to kill this thing. And I've also had situations where my opponent has just had like seven foods in play and then they just play this and then they're able to just pump it six or seven times and just and just have lethal and kill me the next turn. And because the pump gives it indestructible as well, there was just nothing I could do about it on board. You know what I mean? It's, they were taking no risk in doing that. Yeah, this card reminds me of Bristling Hydra in the sense that if you like, you're you're actually happy about being able to use two removal spells to kill it. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah that activation is like a, what we call a threat of activation is a very powerful when it's yeah, indestructible. It's like it's very it's you're 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 going to lose cards if you're trying to do this. You know, no matter no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And Craft Rampage too. Yeah. Also. Yeah. That is I mean. The opponent usually has a random goose sitting around or an elk. That's not great either, yeah. Fortunately. So yeah, um, pretty excited about Wicked Wolf, pretty excited about um, Oko, Gilded Goose. I think the problem with the Gilded Goose Oko is that the games games where you don't have that opener are, like, your deck is so much less powerful than the games where you do have that opener which makes me feel like you have to play for once upon a time in those type of decks. And that means that you're building the deck in a certain way uh, every time, I feel, because, you know, obviously you have to maximize your creature and, and land count. You know, you, you need to maximize your hits. You can't have that many because that many non-creatures because you're already at four once upon a time and four Oko. So how much more can you do without uh, drastically reducing your chances of hitting? Um, because once you have the four once upon a time... And the four gilded goose, then you know you're you're much more consistent with it. Even still, not as consistent as I would like to be. But I guess that is you know that's the same thing that happened last standard with Lanor elves. Your Lanor elves starts were so much more busted than your non-Lanor elves starts. So I guess we're back there again. Yeah, but like yeah, having four once upon and once upon a time in your deck, as you say, just makes it so much more likely you will have that. So I don't think that's a problem. I think you're just going to very consistently have your kind of nut draw opener. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. What do you guys think of the the straight Simic decks versus like the band style decks? Uh, Javier Dominguez piloted to second place in the tournament, and then the uh, oh the let me just get the deck back up here. Yeah, so Bant Ramp was Javier Dominguez second second place, and then in third fourth place we had uh, Caleb Durward and Brad Nelson each on Simic. So uh, Caleb was on Simic Food, who's kind of all in on food. Uh, <laughs> With uh, Feasting Troll King in the main and tr uh, Trail of Crumbs, one Trail of Crumbs, as I mentioned last week, is an interesting card. Uh, even has a couple of Golden Egg in the main, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. And he also has four Arboreal Grazer, basically as more copies of Goose, I guess. Um, and then Brad had a Simic Midrange style deck, 
where he had Goose and Oko and Wicked Wolf, all that stuff going on. But then it was kind of some of the ramp-style payoffs from last season where we have uh, Voracious Hydra and... Ooh, actually, no, there's no uh, there's no Hydroid Crisis in this deck. That seems insane. Uh, okay, there's well, anyway, there's Voracious Hydra and three Brazen Borrower, which I don't know if that fits in this style of deck necessarily, I guess. I mean, it's just a good card, so maybe it can. Oh, there is Hydroid Crisis in this deck. Sorry, excuse me. There is Hydroid Crisis um, in both of these decks. So... Yeah, this the the mid range one is is more similar to the to the to the Simic ramp decks from last season, except with no no stealing uh, permanence or stealing spells, no mass manipulation, and then the Simic food is more like all in on the food. Uh, how do you guys feel about those compared to the Banth style decks that have access to uh, to fairy and stuff like that? Yeah, I think it's just a question of of literally, do you want to fairy or not, right? Like, do you want to take that hit in terms of shock lands and stuff? Like, I'm looking at Javier Dominguez's list, and Teferi's the only white card in the main deck. And then he, he just has a couple of glass caskets in the sideboard and a couple of Talsimers. So, yeah, for me, I think I would probably be on the Bant train. Like, I think the mana is decent enough when you have, you know, the, these mana dorks and goose and stuff like that in your deck that you can do it. And Teferi is just a busted magic card that I think you should always put in your deck if it's if it's remotely possible. They're very really different, though. Like the feasting troll king is a pretty tough card to deal with in that in that all in kind of deck. Um, I have found that card quite difficult to beat. So maybe that's enough of a payoff that you want, you, like you don't want uh, you don't want to be banned and you just want to be have have smoother mana. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I guess, but Teferi is very strong. Um, yes, Teferi is very strong, and also I like the Talsamir in the sideboard of the Bantram deck here because. Talsamir with Wicked Wolf is pretty sweet. If you play Talsamir first, then whenever you play your next Wicked Wolf, if you have a food sitting around, you can actually do two fights at the same time and your wolf will be indestructible for both, which is very sweet. However, these some of these one-offs in the deck are so weird to me. So Javier has one Arboil Grazer along with the Gilded Goose. He has one Paradise Druid and he has one Once Upon a Time with 24 lands. Do you think that one Once Upon a Time is just like the 25th land? Yeah, but then why are you playing Arboreal Grazer if you don't want to play more than 24 lands? I don't understand that. Like, you should play, like, 26 lands if you're playing Grazer, right? Yeah. Yeah, 24 lands is very, very low for, for a Grazer. Yeah, and, like, a yeah, main board, he's, uh, yeah, 12. Like, Bane's Walkers, do 12 non-featured non-land cards. That, that, that was one of the times would miss, so maybe, maybe the deck just shouldn't play with someone upon a time, and it should be just to... I think I can, I can probably get behind not playing all four once upon a time. Um, but I th- surely two or three is the right number. One can't be the right number in any deck, right? Yeah, like even I think one is better than zero, but I'm not sure if it's better than two or three. Hmm. I mean, even like cut cut the grazer and have two seems better to me, I guess. And then maybe even cut the one the one paradise druid. And you know, there there are fewer fewer payoffs in here as well because he's down to two voracious hydra rather than four. Of course, when you've got your Nissas, you've got your Hydro Crisises, you've got your Okos, maybe that doesn't matter. Ultimately, I don't know where I would stand on this. I feel like I would just go Simic just for the smoother mana, and I, I feel like the deck doesn't really lose a whole lot. I I don't really like the Feasting Troll King and Wicked Wolf slots. Maybe I do. Maybe Feasting Troll King is good enough. I don't know. I, I, I didn't think it was good before I played against it, and now that I've played against it, I think it's, it's kind of a monster, to be honest. Yeah. 
it is very large. And they just end up with a lot of food, and like, like I thought getting the three foods repeatedly was going to be a tough ask, but I actually just don't think it is. I think you can basically just bring it back as much as you want, because like those those gilded goose, they just ended up they end up set, sitting around on the battlefield, as you say, late game, and it's just you just end up making multiple uh, eggs per turn with them, like multiple foods per turn with them, and you just end up in a really comfortable position where you just keep being able to recur the feast and troll king. So I, I think it's pretty scary. Yeah, and I mean, let's not forget that the the golden egg is a food, also. So that 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 sits in play for a while, and then can contribute to reanimating the troll king. Uh, one one of the things about Gilded Goose that I just didn't didn't really conceptualize, it, like I didn't I didn't think about how it played out in the games. Like obviously, this is why we need to test and we need to uh, play against things and with things before we really know the value of the cards. But for me, in my mind, it was always just like, okay, you have a goose in your opener. You play it on turn one, and then you play Oko on turn two, and then like that—that's that's the amazing start because then Oko can make a food, and then you can ramp again next turn. But even the situation where you play Goose on turn one and you don't have Oko turn two, then turn two the Goose just sits there and makes another food token, usually like if you don't have anything to play, and then at that point like. It maybe a ramp something on on turn three. You play a, a wicked wolf or whatever on turn three, and now you've got the food sitting in play to protect the wicked wolf and the goose. Every time you just have two free mana, can just make a food. And again, this is I, I said this before the set came out, but I think this is why mono red is not doing very well either because you just have all these incidental life gain cards sitting around. It's kind of like last time with uh with esper esper had all the incidental life gain cards so it was just fantastic had a great matchup against mono red and yeah now now these green decks have access to that incidental life gain and just these resources that that sit in play i was like a lot of people have compared it to energy and i think that's a actually a fairly reasonable comparison because you just have these these resources that just can't really be messed with that are sitting in play that automatically power up any cards you play for the rest of the game yes I think we 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 put it in terms of that, but what makes makes it very clear about how um yeah how efficient this is because yeah any spare money you have is yeah is is will is will be used for to, to make man to make a food and then like in so we're talking about food in the context of yeah feasting troll king and wicked wolf and making mana from the goose. I think you know, at risk of stating the obvious, these food tokens you can also gain life from them, I and mean, it's like it's it's an extra thing they do. Like you're already ha- happy to have them and utilize them through feasting troll king or through the goose or through wicked wolf. Uh, but the fact's like, yeah, let's say you know, you're top second. Um, if you're in a race situation, you're like, all right, I'll just yeah, you'll pay six mana, gain nine life. It looks... Yeah, it... yeah. Come... And then eventually, you're just going to draw an Oko and get to swap one of your food tokens with like their best creature. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it just buys you time and makes the game go longer. Which, when you've got like Hydroid Crisis and Feasting Troll King and Wicked Wolf in your deck, you're pretty happy about. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty nuts. Uh, and Golden Egg draws a card when it comes in. Yeah, yeah. Esper Stacks, Superstar, Golden Egg. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Esper Stacks a little bit. God damn it, Esper Doom, uh, Esper Dance, whatever it's called. Well, what, so why don't you like the name Stacks? Don't, don't no, you like? Uh, I do you like uh, the name Stacks? But I just don't think that we should call it that all like often. I think I think it just it makes it clearer what the deck is about when you call it Esper Doom. Even though I did say yesterday that i like when decks have names like this because it teaches new players about like the history of the game like that's cool and all but also it's hard for new players to grasp what the hell is going on in a deck when they have names like this 
I mean, I still don't know what Big Breakfast Burrito is, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, neither do I. What's the, what's the one? Uh, is it a legacy or a vintage deck that I don't think anybody actually knows why it's called this? Oh, Nick Fit, Nick Fit. Nobody knows exactly why that's called that, right? Um, it's a Sonic Youth song, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's something about the. I I feel like I once knew. Um, people people have all these theories about it. People say it's like because you move your cards around so much in it, it's like it's like a nicotine addict, you know, jostling around or whatever. Or people say it's a typo of nice fit, or or it's named after the Sonic Youth song. I think are the main theories about that one. But it's like that's just a nonsense name though. Whereas like stacks is called stacks because you play the card smokestack and you play like multiple effects like that. So it actually just makes sense. And like. Doom Foretold is very similar to Smokestack. It like makes both players sack a permanent every turn. So I'm kind of okay with the name. Yeah, uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll call it Esper Stack. So you, you guys are right. Um, ah, we won. <laughs> yeah, so hey, Teferi is a good card. It's still still a good card. Yeah. Teferi doing, doing things. Uh, Oath of Kaya. Yeah. Oath of Kaya and Kaya's Wrath, also pretty good. Golden Egg. Bouncing your golden egg with Teferi is pretty good interaction. God. So yeah, I guess I'll, t- I'll I'll talk through this deck a bit. I've been playing I've been playing this deck a lot online. I played it for like two days. First first day I went nine one in ranked matches, uh, and the loss was because I misclicked a land and put it into play tapped instead of untapped, and then couldn't dress my opponent that turn. Very sad. Uh, and then I played it again a good bit yesterday, and I felt like people had already adjusted, and I wasn't doing nearly as well in the matchups. I was still winning more than 50%, but I wasn't crushing anywhere close to who I was on the first day. But basically the idea is you have a lot of cantrip artifacts, golden eggs and guild globes, and you have Oath of Kayas, which are just permanents that lay around on the battlefield after you use them for removal. Uh, and then you have a bunch of sweepers like Kaya's Wrath, um, and you have other, other and you have planar cleansing, and then you have other removal and thought erasures, and this, this kind of pretty normal control stuff, right? And then as well as that, uh, and Teferi. You have the core of the deck, which is Doom Foretold and Dance of the Mance. So Doom Foretold is a four mana enchantment that uh, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they have to sack a non-token non-land permanent. Uh, and then if they can't, uh, you sack the Doom Foretold, you drain your opponent for two, they discard a card, you draw a card, and you make a 2-2 with Vigilance, which is, so it's a little, a nice little Cruel Ultimatum type package uh which is pretty sick and then with dance of the manse you get to play that uh and you get to uh, like in the in the early game basically you play it for x equals four so for six mana uh so it's a sorcery that returns artifacts or enchantments from your graveyard so generally you play it for x equals four and you'll return like two eggs cantrip eggs and a doom foretold from your graveyard and so you'll draw two cards you know and you'll get to replay the doom foretold and get that engine going again and so basically every time with the doom foretold you're just sacking one of these oath of kayas or do or um you know golden eggs or gill globes or whatever whereas your opponent is having to sack a creature or a planeswalker or something like that also very important to note you don't you can't sack tokens to this so having a bunch of food tokens as we've been talking about doesn't doesn't help you at all because you can't sack them you have to sack a real permanent uh there's still those decks are still quite good i think because you know a goose isn't really a thing you have to worry about sacking you know it lets you keep your oko around for an extra turn or whatever so that's pretty good but anyway then late game you just cast your second dance of the mounts usually and usually you're casting that for x equals six and you get to bring back a bunch of oath of kaya's a bunch of cantrips and multiple doom foretolds 
and that usually closes the game out either because you're casting it for x equals six at the end of your opponent's turn because of teferi and then you just get to swing with a bunch of four four artifacts uh because if you play if you pay that card with x equals six or more all, all the artifacts you bring back or artifacts and enchantments are four fours so you just swing for lethal with that or you've just brought back three doom foretolds and you've drawn three or four cards and then you get to just sack the three doom foretolds and rip your opponent's hand apart on the uh on their upkeep and then just attack them you know you, you've basically just locked them out of the game at that point so that's kind of the idea of the deck it's very powerful it's very streamlined plays a lot of good cards it's just really really strong Got it. Yeah, that's just the idea of Othakaya being a creature is pretty nuts. Uh, and like a, a flame from Kabu or something. Uh, yeah, and we have to mind out very into speed. Yeah, one of, one of the nice things as well is that, well, there's kind of an upside and downside, but Othakaya being a legendary means that it's easy to get the first one in your graveyard for your first Dance of the Mance to recur it. Um, but it also means you can only have one on the battlefield at a time to uh to sack to your doom foretold but it's not a problem because like even getting one good good turn cycle of doom foretold where you just sack an egg and they have to sack a planeswalker or like a, a four drop creature or something like that just puts you so far ahead already like it's really hard for your opponent to deal with that yeah that is that is quite nuts uh, gets around wicked wolf indestructibility too if yeah it does yeah that yeah wicked wolf is not particularly scary um with this deck <laughs> not very big or very bad yeah, also uh, Murderous Rider is great in this deck. Um, the hero's downfall slash 2-3, because obviously just getting to... Obviously the, the the murder aspect is just insane, the hero's downfall aspect. But then you get to play the 2-3, and it's another kind of permanent that you can happily sack to your Doom Foretold. So that's just a lovely extra bit of value. Mm-hmm. But you, you mentioned that people are starting to adapt to this deck. So how, how, has, how have people adapted to this deck? And what's, what's changed since uh, you start playing it? um people are just playing like slightly more like go wide creature strategy strategies um where they're just not having to lose that much value to the doom foretold i feel like um i think that's the main thing people are playing a lot more like black aggro where you know they're just sacking like a gutter bones or something as well which like isn't that good like this deck is is it's not slow, but it is like a control deck. You will still lose to fast aggro starts, you know what I mean? Like a, like unless you have already clutched turn four, uh, Kaya's Wrath or whatever. You also have the kind of deck, yeah, you play, you basically enjoy watching the light fade from your opponent's eyes as you press your foot on their throat. Oh yeah, which I do. One thing I love in this deck, by the way, is the one Wishclaw Talisman. I actually brought it up to two to try two, but I think to be honest, one is probably the correct number. But uh, I think we're going to see this interaction a lot in Standard. Wishclaw Talisman is a lot better in Standard than I thought it would be because of the interaction with Teferi. So you can you can play your Wishclaw Talisman, use it to get it to Teferi, and then immediately bounce the Wishclaw Talisman back to your hand after your opponent has gained control of it, and they don't get a chance to use it. So it basically just adds extra Teferis to your deck. And then later on in the game, you can just use it to get your combo piece, your Doom Foretold, your Dance of the Mance that's going to close out the game, whatever. Um... And then also it's like kind of awkward for them because then you pass the turn to them with the Doom Foretold in play. You've given the Wishclaw Talisman and they either have to use the Wishclaw Talisman in their upkeep uh, or, or sacrifice it, you know, if it's the only permanent. And if they sacrifice it, they didn't get any value out of it. And if they use it, then you get it back to use the third time and they still have to sack something else to the Doom Foretold trigger. So it, it works quite nicely with Doom Foretold as well. Yeah. Um... Funny enough, I think uh, Brian Gottlieb said that uh, Wishclaw Salisman was the worst card in the deck and it should be cut. <laughs> yeah, 
I could see that too, to be honest. Like again, one off, it's kind of hard to see the impact. Personally, I think Planar Cleansing is the worst card in the deck, and that's what I could. Or maybe the one Dovin's Veto. I thought both of those were quite bad one offs. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the I think Planar Cleansing. I think Realm Cloak Giant in the sideboard could maybe be moved to the main just as like another way to win. Um. Yeah. Possible. Possible. Like the thing is, if the game goes that long, though, I I haven't found that uh I'm having trouble winning. To be honest. Sure. I would maybe like the Dovin's Veto to be like a third murderous rider. Yeah. yeah that would be good. Or another like, to combat the aggro decks. Or a fourth thought erasure. Three thought erasure. I don't know why, how people don't just want to play four all the time. Yeah. Especially in a Teferi deck. I mean, I personally would cut the Wishclaw Talisman, the Planar Cleansing, the Dovin's Veto, and I would go up to four thought erasure, four Doom Foretold, and two Legion's End. Yeah, I did that too. I went up to four Doom Foretold in my version, and I was pretty happy with it. But I've been seeing a lot of people playing this deck on Twitter and posting decklists and getting to Mythic, and most of them are just playing three Doom Foretold. So maybe three is the correct number, but I think that a lot of that is the case of people just see the decklist and they don't want to mess with it too much after it's had success. Um, so I'm not convinced that three Doom Foretold is correct either. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dance of the Mance, also another card that I thought was not playable. I guess you can say it's a four mana card. You can cast it for X equals two, uh, like the other four mana cards that I did not know was, were playable. I mean, even like Dance of the Mans, even for X equals two, like if you have a couple of guild cloves or golden eggs in your graveyard, which you may, you know, you may well, like that's still fine, even if you're forced to do that. That's pretty desperate. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, after you play the guild globes or the golden egg, you can get them in the graveyard whenever you want because that you just sack them to filter mana, right? And they're mana neutral. Yeah. So you can always just do that if 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 you need to. But I haven't found myself needing to do that. I think you're yeah, you're in a pretty desperate state if you need to cast it for X equals two. Uh casting it for X equals three to get an oath of Kaya back doesn't really happen that much just because it's the the first oath of Kaya doesn't usually end up in your graveyard that fast. You know what I mean? Like by the time it's in your graveyard, you'll you'll usually have a doom foretold out and you'll be able to play the uh the dance of the mans for X equals four anyway. Yeah. Alright, so I mean, I, I don't think there's too much else in that tournament that I'd like to talk about. Uh, but this is this is where standard is pretty is set up at the moment. Um, so I guess moving on to the the casters cup um, that very recently happened just today, I guess uh, it was won by Shahar Shanhar and Simic Simic Ramp. So different deck from last time. He decided to to get off the the black green mid range and. Uh, Went with something similar to Brad's list. Actually, I think it's the same. He just has Questing Beast. Yeah, Questing Beast. One Questing Beast instead of a fourth Wicked Wolf, it looks like. Or no, he has, he has no Feasting Troll King. So this is like somebody's list. I don't know, somebody from the previous tournament. Uh, second was Brian Gottlieb again, you know, crushing it with uh, Band Ramp. So a bit different from the other ones. It's it's categorized as Band Ramp here, but it's actually a, it's actually a Golos uh field of the deck so <laughs> but uh all people started playing this a lot online yesterday as well i think after the lists were out i started seeing a lot of this and this actually has a really good matchup against esper stacks i think okay. having our four arboreal grazers you can sack is pretty big yeah that is pretty decent actually uh i mean your other stuff are, are all real cards though right you just don't have permanence in play though for most of the game right. so they just doom foretold you it just gets sacrificed immediately they get a little bit of value but you're going to just outgrind them with field of the dead i think yeah and then you can't sack the token so it just it does just break yeah yeah seems seems decent 
I like it. Yeah, the only the only card outside of banned colors in the whole deck is sideboard unmoored ego, which seems fine, I guess, for field of, field of the dead mirrors things like that. Yep, seems fine. Got a Jund deck here by Ethan Sachs from the Lords of Limited podcast. Oh, it's a Jund. Yeah, th- this is a good opportunity, I guess, to talk about this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> this kind of crap. Um, it's uh, yeah, this is what I had open first. Yeah, it's a it's a Jund adventure deck, so. These decks have kind of sprung up now in the last couple of days. To be honest, I don't like the Jund version. I much prefer the black-green version, just for consistency's sake. But, you know, it's fine. So basically, they're decks that are built around Edgewall Innkeeper and Lucky Clover. So Lucky Clover, if you don't know what it does, uh, nobody can blame you, because it's a terrible card. It's not really, it's not terrible, it's just a synergy-only card. It's a two-mana artifact. It says whenever you cast an adventurous instant or sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. And then Edgewall Innkeeper is a green for a 1-1 human peasant. And whenever you cast a creature spell that has an adventure, draw a card. So basically, the Lucky Clover lets you double the, the adventure part. And the Edgewall Innkeeper lets you draw a card from the casting the creature part. So that obviously is like insane with your whole deck. Because you're, you've got Felmire Knight. You've got Order of Midnight. Bonecrusher Giant. Lovestruck Beast. Murderous Rider. Beanstalk Giant. Uh, and then you've got Once Upon a Time for Consistency. So even, like, if you have Lucky Clover out and you cast, let's say, Stomp from Bonecrusher Giant, you get to do 4 damage instant speed for 2 mana. That's insane. Uh, Felmire Knight, you get to draw 2, lose 2 for 3. That's just a good rate. Um, what else? Uh, Murderous Rider, that's insane. You just get to kill 2 things. Uh, any 2 things, you lose 4 life, but eh, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, this deck... The, the black-green version I kind of like a little bit more just because the red, I feel, adds an un- unnecessary strain on the mana base. Like, the mana base looks awful. You've got uh, one... It's the mana base, ever. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Six forests, six swamps, two mountains. So that's not great to start with. You've got one blood crypt, four fable passage, which is necessary, but you've got multiple one-drops uh, in different... Uh, yeah, multiple one-drops in different colors. Although I guess you never want to play Felmire Knight on turn one. Uh, you got four Overgrown Tomb and one Stomping Ground. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at two... In terms of red sources, we got one, five, six, seven, eight. Eight red sources? Is that right? Am I reading that right? Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, that's definitely right. Yeah, I think I think cutting the Bone Crusher Giant is the... Uh, is the is the correct play in this deck. And just get, you know, put a couple more Order of Midnight in there, and then... What other adventure card can we throw in? Um, well, hang on. Does are you just able to do this if you have four Once Upon a Time in your deck, though? Is that how it works? Oh yeah. I don't know. I haven't played with Once Upon a Time yet. Oh yeah. Like, is this is it a horrible mana base like this just fine because of that card? Maybe it is. You have four Beanstalk Giant too, right? So that's their red sources. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Once Upon a Time. Yeah, no, you're you're actually right. Once Upon a Time lets you put any land in your hand, not just uh, not just forests. And yes, Beanstalk Giant does get lands and it gets them untapped. So if you are able to play a... If you play a Lucky Clover on turn two, and then you play a Beanstalk Giant, uh, uh, not Beanstalk Giant, the, the, the sorcery, the adventure part, Fertile Footsteps on turn three, you get two lands out of your deck and they're both untapped. So you could get like a mountain and a whatever, like a mountain and a swamp or whatever, uh, the cards that you're... the colors that you're missing... And then you can just hold up stomp on your turn or on the Good. I think I gotta try this to be honest. I haven't played this kind of this kind of greediness is kind of what I want to see from once upon a time, I think. 
you know, this is what people should be striving for, building horrible messes like this and getting away with it. Yeah, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, like I when I was looking at this deck, I did not consider the Once Upon a Time as the extra mana sources. And yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Once Upon a Time, actually, no, sorry. Just uh, this deck is on my investigation list. Uh, I was just going to play the black green version, but maybe I'll play the, the Joan version. Yeah, I was I was just thinking though, it's like, really is this worth it just for Bone Crusher Giant? It's the only red card in the entire deck. Does it re like does it really give you something that you need that badly? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, uh, more Order of Midnight sounds good to me because, as I said to Al, or I said to, I said to everyone on the on the chat earlier, um, two Order of Midnight plus Lucky Clover goes infinite with getting anything else back from your graveyard because if you have a lucky clover out and you cast the alter fate adventure of order of midnight to return a creature from your graveyard to your hand you get back what the order of mid the other order of midnight that's in your graveyard plus something so getting back a bone crusher giant is pretty good because you can just keep doing two damage to the opponent getting back uh edgewall innkeeper is good because then maybe you can play Edgewall Innkeeper plus a a cheap adventure creature the next turn. Getting back Murderous Rider is obviously very good. Getting back Beanstalk Giant gives you a massive threat. Mm. Getting back Felmire Knight lets you draw cards. Lovestruck Beast is a big dude. Lovestruck Beast actually kind of seems like the worst card in the deck. It does. Yeah, even making two one ones with Lucky Clover is not that exciting, right? No. But at the same time, it does mean that you now have 12 one ones in the deck to allow you to attack with it because you've got Edgewall Innkeeper, you've got Foulmire Knight, and you've got the Lovestruck Beast itself making one ones. So it probably is just good enough as an undercosted beater. And, you know, if there's an Innkeeper in play, you get to draw a card. It's decent. True. Yeah, I'm interested in trying this. Yeah, I'm into this deck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this and start playing it. Uh, the only other decks of note, in my opinion, are the mono black decks, which have seemed quite good. Although, like, again, very, very grindy. A lot of them have Order of Midnight. A lot of them have, well, they all have Rankle. Uh, they all have Murderous Rider. Those are scary cards. People are putting Yarok's Fenlurker in their decks, as we see here from Alexander Hain in fourth place. He's got Gutterbones, Knight of the Ebon Legion. Yarok's Fenlurker, uh, Ayara. First of Loctwain, which is, I mentioned last week, as a card that people were sleeping on. Evidently not anymore. And uh, he's got four Dreadhorde Invasion, which Dreadhorde Invasion combined with, uh, obviously not in this deck, but Dreadhorde Invasion combined with Oko is pretty good in a Sultai food deck I, uh, that I played against once. My opponent was just making 4-4, four, 4-4 four, four, four Elks, pretty decent. But um, yeah, this, this mono black deck, how, how do you feel about this? Have you played against it at all? Seeing a lot of this on the ladder, awful lot of this on the ladder. Uh, yeah, as you said, different varieties. Haven't seen the Alexander Hain version with uh, with Plague Crafters and, and Davriel and stuff like that, and Drill Bits. That's kind of a different type of thing. Um, but yeah, people are just playing every single flavor of Mono Black at the moment. I think it's just kind of, I think it's just the aggro deck that can kind of deal with this stacks nonsense the best. Like Mono Red, I think doesn't really hold up, um, as you said, with all the life gain and stuff like that um having the kind of recursive threats and stuff like that is really nice and a little extra staying power and you know rankle is very powerful and stuff like that and, and the castle lock twain gives you give you some extra drawing power too like i think that's it's basically you just want to try and maximize that card i feel like is the reason to to play mono black 
Um, just getting to draw an extra card a turn in aggro deck is obviously very powerful. Yeah, I, yeah, that card plus Rankle for me are the reasons to play the deck. Plus maybe Murderer's right. Yeah. We see we see another another copy of Mono Black Aggro in last place here for uh, for Gabe Nassif, and he's got one of the other kind of versions, which is more one drops. So it's got Footlight Fiend, uh, Black Lance Paragon, which is a very medium card, but it's you know decent aggressive allows you, allows you to play a bit more of a, a surprise game against controlish decks. Lazatep Reaver, which is decent against uh, Doom Foretold because you can just sack, sack the Reaver side itself. Priest of Forgotten Gods, which I don't love in these decks, but it can get good value. Uh, Rankle and Spawn of Mayhem. Uh, yeah, it seems okay. This this deck feels like uh, Rotting Registrar would be good in the main of this version, at least. He has two here in the sideboard, but I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like you really want to be, yeah, Rotting Registrar makes a lot of sense to play with Rankle. You know, if, you, if you're in the market of dumping your hand, getting everything out on the board quickly, uh, yeah, you're no longer... No longer, um, I mean, it's an absolutely nuts curve, right? If you play like Knight of the Ebon Legion turn one into Blacklands Paragon turn two into uh Registor into Rankle, I mean, that is game. Obviously, that's an insane God. that I've just described, but you know, that's certainly a, a curve that this deck can do, yeah. But then they can't do it if the Registor is in the sideboard, you know, God damn it, Gabe. exactly put it in there. So this is this seems standard is shaping up. Do, do you guys have anything else that you think could break into standard, or do you think that we're kind of starting to see the major players emerge here, and you'd be surprised to see anything else? No, I feel totally the opposite. I feel like it's completely wide open. Nobody really knows what they're doing right now. Everyone's trying all the new cards, and they all seem very good. So I think it's I think the standard is going to be wide open for for quite a while. I'm I'm pretty excited to keep exploring it. Sweet. Like, I don't know. No one's playing Hero anymore. That like Esper Hero is probably still decent, right? And people just aren't bothered with that anymore. Maybe, yeah. On my to brew list is a uh, is a deck with Hero. Actually, I think maybe Green White Tokens can be good. Green White Go White. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Basically, didn't lose any cards and could have only could have gained stuff. Basically, right? Yeah. So you get like Lovestruck Beast and stuff uh, that allows you to go wide and tall at the same time uh doom foretold is not a huge problem because most of your power is in your tokens so even if you have to sacrifice your random amara or whatever it is that's on the board uh you can still you know you're still attacking with a big army um obviously kaya's wrath is probably still good against you but there are options for that there's the i've already forgotten the name the 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 three mana thing that makes all your dudes indestructible break the formation yeah is that what it's called that's the one. And, you know, we still have things like Loxodon and stuff like that. So I think the deck is worth exploring. And that's my next move. I think the one drops are probably the, the bad thing in the deck, right? Because Legion's Landing was so good. Um, I guess your one drops now are Flower Flourish and Lovestruck Beast's uh, Heart's Desire thing or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's that's not as exciting. No. But, you know, it's also not the worst ever um so we'll see and yeah esper uh, sorry esper hero <laughs> it's just automatic uh hero one could be decent in the deck as well uh that could be one of your two drops if you can engineer in such a way that you have a lot of gold cards in your deck so we'll see how that goes i don't know if the deck specifically got anything from throne of eldraine uh the green white card 
uh, like the green white rare just is the one that just taps for mana equal to the number of colors you you control so that's not great <laughs> makes you know good with hero precinct one but not good in a green white deck but yeah that's that's where my brain is going at the moment uh but yeah that, i think that will conclude our standard chat for the moment uh, uh we have some things to explore including this jund or potentially black green adventure decks the green white tokens deck i would like to continue evolving the grixis fires deck maybe try the jeskai version as well uh because i think the 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 fires deck as the grixis one uh takes a long time to close the game so maybe sarkin and uh, attacking with your planeswalkers is better uh so i'll give that a go see if i can make anything work there see how i like it and yeah report back next week uh should we move on to limited oh yes so i have absolutely no experience with limited of this set because i'm just going to wait for draft to come out on arena (laughs) so i haven't touched it so that's what yeah first of all i guess my first experience with limited was uh here on a streaming uh during night we did a, a draft um yeah, I did two drafts on Moto so far. The first one, yeah, Al was was co co piloting the draft with me. We ended up in kind of what I thought was okay at the time, but now in retrospect, having played a few games of the format, I think it's not where you, where you want to be. We ended up in kind of what was it, a black red night stack, uh, kind of floating around Mardu a little bit, thinking, can you play with full three colors? But I think we just ended up in black red, and. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really get a good grasp on the format those first couple games. We did have some good games. The games seem to go quite long. The adventure cards basically mean that you never run out of gas in Limited, from what I've seen, um, which is quite interesting. You know, like, I don't think we really... I don't think I ended at any games, you know, having just completely run out of gas and top decking or anything like that. You pretty much always have something to do with your mana if you have some adventure cards, which is nice. Definitely, I did. That's what and then I, I, I kind of saw that reflected more in the game it's sealed, which is again even slower, I guess. Uh, yeah, like, like, lots of games going on. Um, the game is going to expand games, you know, you make games go longer. And yeah, it seems like, yeah, actually, even though I was playing kind of like slow decks in one of my previous I was playing slow decks, slow decks, and yeah, like you said, I never really felt like I was ever out of gas. If I, I did the, the two pre releases in a day special, uh, it, it, it was a lot of magic, more more magic than a GP, uh, 10 pounds. Hmm. Or nine range order, but um, uh, my first, you know, my, yeah, my, my first pool was like, what well, was it great? But I had, I ended up in, in a slow back, back uh, deck. I had um, uh, the, the card we just mentioned, the black tree drop, the black 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 tree drop. So I was in like you know mainly mainly black, uh, a little bit of blue. Actually, well, what I did, what was pretty sick though, was I had a uh, Sir Conrad. Uh, he's the, the black knight who uh, he yeah things your opponents every time a creature goes into graveyard. Creature a creature dies or a creature card goes into graveyard for anywhere. He was absolutely insane. Because like his activated act- act- ability where both players mill one. Uh, you know, it's not a tap ability. You can just use that, you know, you can you can just pour all your mana into, into that at the end of every turn, and then you know you're doing like four damage every turn. Um but then the real combo, uh, and this is a combo I didn't realize until immediately before I cast it. I was playing the game, was quite far behind. Uh Bones was gonna win the race. Uh, I didn't really have much cast going. And then I, I drew Forever Young. I'm like, oh Forever Young, late game. This this is a great, pretty great uh, way to refuel. Forever you only put any number of each cards from your graveyard back up the library. <laughs> then I realized, oh wait, I can just dome my opponent for ten with this. Like I just go you know, choose ten creatures, put them all on top of the graveyard, and then uh get them for ten. Uh, and that was pretty absurd. Uh, we were like both we we're both uh, you know, double double check you know, reading both cards, double checking that this does that this insane play was work. Pretty nice combo. Uh, but then I think I think the deck 
apart from one of those, the only thing is that in brief format overall, uh, and they've gone 2-3, um, and I did not. Uh, I, I YOLO'd the sign up for uh, another, another you know, the second pre-release, and this pre-release, I, oh, I won, I won the damn thing. Uh, so I, I had a, another blue back deck uh, for this one, this is a back deck that was a lot better. I have it in front of me here. Uh, I had two Drown in the lock, that's a blue back removal spell. I had uh, two Bake into a pie, and um, yeah, it's all over, all over stuff. So the, the real uh, the real players in this deck were, um, well, my sick rags, my power. Uh, this is yeah, the, the mythic uh, fairy bounces. And uh, this is absolutely, <laughs> saying, this is absolutely absurd and limited. Uh, if there's any kind of race situation going on or any kind of combat going on, or yeah, if the game was going to be determined by yeah, creature combat, which obviously is going to happen all the time, limited. Uh, this just changes the math so much. One turn, you, know, you, you just bounce your biggest thing and then flash it in. And then you know, suddenly their, their block may go down from, yeah, they, they take a very easy to go from being in favor in the race to being unfavored in the race. And also, there's all sorts of other stuff as well, um, interaction and combat tricks and stuff. Uh, and then I had Emery, Emery Lurker of the Lock. Uh, this is one of those cards, what kind of card that, you know, it's a card I know is very, very powerful in modern or other, other formats. It's very easy to, when you see a card being like a combo card in, in Constructed, it's very easy to just dismiss it in Limited. I almost you know, didn't even consider playing it. But then I started looking at my artifacts, and you know, there are some good artifacts in this, in this limited format. Um, and then I decided, yeah, maybe try to do. Uh, so then, you know, the, the, the real combo was, yeah, Emery with a Scalding Cauldron. Scalding Cauldron is the, the sack. You can yeah, pay three to sack it and bolt something. So, uh, or bolt, bolt a creature. But, you know, to get that back every turn with, with Emery is pretty, pretty bananas. Um, yeah, basically, why I put in first just for uh, for her fitter. Yeah, I, I just needed a second two drop. Uh, I played um, Sorcerer's Broom. So, so I, I was initially just playing Sorcerer's Broom, thinking, yeah, this, this will just be a two drop. Uh, maybe you'll jump or block or whatever. Uh, but then, because I was, <laughs> once you're you know, going off, the, and um, uh, you can just you know, copy Broom, you know, make, make, make you know, copy, copy Sorcerer's Broom, make another Broom. Uh, and then when you have two Brooms, so obviously this costs a lot of mana, but you know, when you have two Brooms and bait, and yeah, you stack something. Two to four, all, 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 all the way up, like, um, just like the thing, all, all the brooms. And, and uh, yeah, the deck was, the deck was functioning very, 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 just functioning very, very well. And then, and then one, one more combo in my, in my sick deck was with Sir Eleanor, this, the discerning, this is the Blue Knight. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, five drop that has um, power, yeah, power, power equal to the number of cards in your hand. Next level bluff play, where, um, <laughs> so Pon Ponity, I had it like, I was in, in, about how I wanted dead. Uh, I my main phase. I played like I, I played land. Out of my, I played land for my hand. You know my, my seventh land. Uh, I played it, and then as soon as I played it, I said, "Oh no, I shouldn't have played that. That was I should have played that after combat because now my Serenador is smaller than it should be." And then my opponent laughed and said, "Haha, yes, you should have. Uh, you big Egypt. Um, not quite like that, but I'm sure that's what he's thinking." Um, and I said, "Oh well, I guess you know all this attack with Serenador anyway. You know, even though it's smaller than I'd like it to be." He said, "No blocks." Then uh, I tapped my seven mana and played into the story. Instant speed, draw four cards. You're dead. Get wrecked. Beardies. God. That's disgusting. Monster. That's pretty good. So uh, now for a Skullcrack exclusive, uh, I have in front of me the ultimate card goodie bag, which uh, I won. This is the, the top, you know, first place wins. Uh, the Gamers World, they had uh, for you know, the first time, they had like an actual extra extra prize for first place. We can have a live opening of this goodie bag, because uh, I haven't seen what's inside this yet, um, if you would like to partake. Go for it. I think decided. I yeah, I have a uh, deck case, flip deck case. This is a sweet swag. Uh, it's a pretty good deck box. Now, I, I think the main thing that everybody wanted to win was a digital life pad. Uh, these are pretty pretty handy. Uh, it says 
I think it's some kind of exclusive rule stick. Got a whole lot of boosters. Got a, an ultimate car bumper sticker. I won't be using that. It's a strange thing to have. Very nice dice. Um, got a dice bag for the dice I won. Um, and a whole load of booster packs and, and the bag itself and some sleeves. One uh, thanks to my combinations of combos for my combo deck. GG opponents. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Uh, that's a, yeah. I also had. That's a very significant prize. Oh, uh, I did, did expect it. Do you want to crack a pack there? Oh yes. Oh, let's do this. Okay. What we're going to do? Um, we're going to play first. Um, you are uh, what the first picks going to be limited? Yeah. Oh, that is the sound of a pack being cracked. Ooh. All right. Um, well, so go through my quickly. All right, got Merfolk Secret Keeper. It's one drop zero four and mill. Not good, right? Mm. You agree with that? You could maybe make a mill deck. I don't know. I don't really know yet. Yeah, I've had my 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 blue back my, my blue back deck. I felt like I needed because I had two um you know, two of the gold lock cards. Uh, so I, I kind of felt like I wanted more mill stuff. So yeah, maybe, maybe. If I, if I had this maybe I should play the peak the five mana uh, artifact feature six mana artifact feature. Sorry, two. This is very good. Uh, well, very good with a memory. Um, please. Yeah, I like that card. Uh, Raging red cap, the three three mana one two double strike. Um, and I guess it's a you know, any kind of knight synergies. This this could pay off for. Sure, I'm not into it. Yeah, Android. Okay, this is sanctuary. Sanctuary, the blue, blue land, the common common island. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had one of these, but I never had value for it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how good these are in limited. Probably okay. Still depends on obviously how many instants and sorcerers you have in your deck. If you're a very spell heavy deck, then it's probably pretty decent. Uh, shining armor. Uh, it's not good. Flash equipment plus two plus zero plus two. Yeah, could be okay. Save something. Insatiable appetite. This is a giant growth, two mana giant growth to get plus five to five if you have if you sacrifice the food. No, bad. This, like this uh, unexplained vision. This is a uh, draw three cards. Um, you spry three first. If you have adamant, right? Yeah, sorry, I have adamant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably be happy with one of those in my deck. It's a good kind of pseudo finisher. Exactly. I mean, I'm, the game is just over. Yeah, when, when you're playing this, when you can't the game. I would not. Uh, Spitting swordmaster. Hmm? Oh, I was gonna say I would not want to. Main deck or not main deck? Sorry, first pick that card. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. Spit and Swordmaster, two one lightning. There's a lot of there's lots of X ones in the format. That this is one of them. But yeah, I mean, but it also has the the adventure part, which right, yeah. can be adventure. Different, I think I think this is a decent card. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Drain for number nine to control. Yeah, I'd be I'd be on that one so far. And Merchant of the Veil. Uh, with this card. So yeah, this. Oh, you say you're faithless looting thing. I think I'd yeah I'd probably. Probably take that before Smitten Swordmaster, I feel like. So yeah, yeah. One side is um yeah, discard a card, do draw a card. Has this two three activate ability, um pay three mana, discard a card and draw a card. Activity. You can use this as many times as you want. Do you know that? Like it gets significantly better late game when you can when you draw a land or whatever. And then it you can just early you can just end a turn, yeah, top top time mana, two three times. Yeah. And then early yeah, on, you can uh Early on, obviously, it's very cheap to use the adventure uh, if you're short on lands or or the other way around. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah I, 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 had, I had an opponent just you know, sinking man into this when I was tapped. And I almost said, you can't do that. Then I realized, oh my god, it, it is just a... It does everything. It attacks. Exactly. Blocks. Protect. Yeah. What else we got? Uh, we got red cap melee. This is an uncommon blocker uh, for one red. An instant. Uh, it was on red. It's that a land. Mm, I think it's okay in an aggressive deck. Yeah, I think 
was the one I had a class against me. It was like late game, um, where uh, yeah, the extra hand doesn't matter. So yeah. sometimes that tends to like to be entirely mitigated. Yeah, and then if you're in an aggressive deck, then you maybe don't care about sacrificing a land, even if you're only on four lands or five lands or whatever, and it's it's a lot of damage. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mysterious Pathfinder. This is a uh, common fairy for two two flyer. Uh, each each creature you control has has had an adventure. Each of these with a plus one plus one counter. Oh yeah, I would be yeah, I'd be picking this. Yeah, I think that card's pretty. And with Arcanist L, this is um four Azorius hybrid mana um for two two flyer. ETBs look top four cards your library, you reveal artifact enchantment, um, I'll put it into your hand, rests in the bottom of your library in random order. Mm-hmm. I think these are, these cards are interesting. Um all the, the four cost hybrid cards, because they're probably slightly more likely to make your main deck or make your deck after you pick them, like early pick them, than a straight goal card, right? Because you don't, you you could end up like for this card, you could end up in blue white, or you could end up in mono blue, or almost mono blue, or mono white, or almost mono white. So kind of goes in three different combinations. Um, but I still don't think I'd be super into first picking one of these cards. This is probably the best one though, or one of the best ones. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think the, well, the, green, the black green black green one's very good. This is that that this one. It's a fortune haste to get it back to your where you gain life. Yeah, uh, but I, I was playing in my my blue black deck. Um, my first blue black deck I was playing the black white one. So even though I was like mono, I was mono black. So yeah, that was even though I was blue, yeah, was blue black, but mainly mainly black. So I, I was comfortable enough playing and uh, so the four black uh, with lots of your know, black activated abilities. Yeah, so the, the four two is nuts because uh, yeah, has activated ability of lightning and indestructible. So extreme in combat, uh, you just have that. It's, it's kind of comparable to Rick with both in terms of its threat of, act- threat of activation. Your opponent just can't deal with it. Um, and they're just forced. They, they did just have to let it through. Um, so yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Mm, yeah, that is pretty good, actually. And then you can just activate the lifelink so you just never lose the race or whatever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so we have a foil. Is uh, Witching Well, the uncommon artifact. Mm. It's a good card. Modern modern staple now in Urza decks. Oh, yes. Ooh, got some... The Blue Well? <laughs> yeah, blue well. that's great. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it seems good, but I didn't think it'd be a modern staple. But yeah, there you go. Well, well. I mean, it's just a cheap artifact that does something that was usually see play in modern. Sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and to, like it's a uh, it's serum visions, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, You've got two cards for four mana. Yeah. Um, there is sundering stroke, sundering stroke. Hmm. Or three, uh, seven damage amongst uh, one, two, or three targets. Um, if only seven red mana was spent to cast this, seven damage each of those permanents and players instead. Oh. I had an interesting pick in a draft where I, uh, I was already in red and then I opened my next pack and I could take this or Sir Kara, the red knight. And oh. I pr- pretty pretty quickly took the red knight instead of the rare. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I would agree with that. But I still think that I would probably take this card out of this pack because there's nothing else really that good. Yeah, agreed. This is a very bad pack, I think. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, that's limited. <laughs> So the show combos with the uh, mixes, with the basic entry in its actuary in this pack. Oh yeah, that's true. Mix yeah, wheel. We've covered that wheels. <laughs> you're pretty unlikely to get the seven red mana thing though if you're putting Mystic Sanctuary in your deck. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. All right, that's sweet. I can't wait to start playing the format. Maybe I'll maybe I'll jump into a sealed or something or a, or a draft on MTGO. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm excited to play this format. 
All right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, you can get in touch with us if you have any thoughts on our ideas about the format or if you have any sweet decks. You can uh, email us at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at skullcrack. You can tune into the stream where Kieran streams fairly regularly, uh, playing Wurza in Modern, or now I guess you'll be playing a bit more standard. Oh yeah, learning some Tron recently as well. Al was giving me the, the tips on how to play Tron. Yeah. And now we have Once Upon a Time, so there might be another Tron stream sometime soon. Oh. People hate Tron though. People are literally joining my Twitch chat just to uh just to shout at me when they see I'm playing Tron. Yeah, I mean that's fine. You get those hate views. Yeah, exactly. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We like we like uh what's it Katie Hopkins, you know, just uh we're making money, so you don't care. <laughs> oh yeah. Exactly. All right, well that is gonna do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. See ya. Bye bye. In the um, during the uh, during, after the NCQ um, in Sunset, which I attended a few weeks ago, uh, so <laughs> a bunch of yeah, a bunch was having a lovely game of poker with a, with a load of, load of beers, and it was fun times had by all. Um, and that's the uh, that's the end of the turn for it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so a bunch of bunch, bunch, bunch was playing. So uh, I I've, I've you know, played a little poker online, and I'm not uh, by any means a great player. Uh, listener to show uh, Sean Lynch, uh, he is a good player, and um, so he was. You know, giving us a strategic, strategic, strategic advice and discussion, discussion uh, as we're playing, and then everybody else has got a you know, new head play, but not, you get you know, new head play, but you know, didn't really have much um, you know, strategy or top behind their find their, their plays. We're, we're just kind of just, you know, pay, paying, paying for the crack. And um, now I I have two hands here, one of them which it's which one of them which um uh, for, for for me. So um this point we're all kind of quite even. You're know, paying for you know, paying for your hands. I have a I think so. I have ace. Uh, I have ace ten, so I make a, a, a bet preflop, um, and then uh, so Sean raises it to so Sean raises the preflop bet. Preflop bet. Um, uh, I call another guy. Ty calls black queens. Uh, I base. I base. I base ten. At this point, I don't know what uh, what, what Sean has. Um, uh, ten four two. It's all spades. Um, so Sean, it's on him first. He checks. Uh, Ty shows all in with his black queens over uh, ten four two, and I. What do I do? I am um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I and I, I call as well because I have I have top pair, which is which is which is good. <laughs> top pair is good. I think hand at this point. Then it would be also yeah. Um, I think we were yeah. It's, it's, at this point, we all reveal. Uh, I'm all in. Me and Tiger all in. All in. So you know, Sean's said take 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 down both of us with a with a double cheerio. Uh, he reveals the nuts. Ace kings. Ace king spades. He, he flops the, the the flush. Um, there's there's nothing that I can do to win. Could it be? So it seems like it's going to be good for me. So Tiger's out at this point. Uh, I'm like, oh, I have a chance. I have a chance of you know hitting a full house. I think. Uh, yeah. So then the cards come out. So then I basically see the fact that yeah, I definitely lost this. <laughs> then the turn comes out. It's a four. Uh, so the board, the board is now paired, and uh, I'm alive for my three outs. Uh, to or my my two outs to get a full house. 
Uh, and then on river, uh, I hit my 10, uh, completing my full house <laughs> and, and winning the hand Good from being it. very, 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 very far. Oh, two tens. I need to know there's only two tens left that will win me there, right? And two fours. Oh, I'm sorry. No, under four. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, two under fours. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the odds of be winning was like, uh, I think it was like 8%. No, less than that, I think. Um, it was a devastating hand, especially when uh, John was extremely, extremely far ahead uh, at, at, the, at the block. But then um, I then the comeuppance occurred a few months later. So I, I'm like really, really far ahead uh, after winning that big pot. Um, uh, yeah, so at this point, so uh, I'm, I'm just really going to go to Sean. So Sean has ace four clubs. Uh, I bet pre flop. So yeah, I bet pre flop. He's ace four clubs. Um, I think I had, yeah, I Jack, and he, sorry, I have Jack Queen. Uh, Sean, I make a bet pre flop. Uh, Sean shows all in because yeah, he's, he's now behind. I'm, I'm big, big stick leader. He goes all in. I call. So yeah, he's all in ace four. I have Jack Queen. Um, so the flop comes out. It's a four, seven, nine. Um, so he hits, he hits his four. But then the turn is the king clubs, and then uh, I'm like, yes, I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get, yeah, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my straight up hit if I get my ten, I'll be fine. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, sorry, I told us wrong. Sorry, <laughs> he's, um, I'm not, I'm not as good as, as recalling poker as I'm good at recalling magic. Um, I mean, basically, I, 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 hand doesn't matter. Basically, what happened was uh, I was head in hand. Um, like Sean was head in hand uh, when it was coming to the river. He says. Oh, uh, if you get a jack, you win. But if you get a jack gloves, uh, I guess um, I get my my push. And then um, the, the car comes out, and someone just says jack when the car comes out. And I'm like, I jump up and I'm dancing. I'm doing the moonwalk because I just again won from being very, very far behind. By the time, by the time I step back out again, uh, I realized I'd actually lost because I I, I missed the push. And um, so, you know, the the being good, but being good at poker also also helps. Um, you get you can get extremely you get extremely unlucky. And then you can also just not read the card properly and lose. Hey, that also happens in magic. Hey, it's like <laughs> a life lesson. <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited to hear about the next hand of poker that Al loses in a dramatic fashion or wins, I guess. Either way. Yeah. Either way is okay with me. As I look sack my way to victory, the victory. So true. So true. We should live our life by that, uh, by that maximum. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Hi. Bye.